that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Look at all the sparkles up here. We have light everywhere. It's a good thing because this is that season when we're recognizing the coming of the king. His light has entered into the world and we get to share in it. We're continuing the series, Witness His Majesty. So we will look at uh, different aspects of those witnesses from the ages who point to the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is. So today we look at prophets, and we're going to see that even though they came hundreds of years before Jesus was born, they were pointing to him and pointing to who he was, who he was going to be, what he was going to do. The elements are there, and... Jesus recognizes that, and he looks at these prophets as as part of his team as he is elevated and, and ma- as he manifests himself on the earth. So we will look at Luke chapter 4 primarily, but there will be other aspects to this as well, different, uh, different uh, uh, well, you'll, you'll see those written uh, for you so you get an idea of which ones we're we're turning to but Luke chapter 4 we are entering into uh, Jesus ministry he's gone he's been out a little bit at this point and he's returning to his hometown where he grew up in Nazareth so we're going to pick it up there and this event that happens in the synagogue and what he does when he's there with them and these are people who have known him this is where the family lived this is where joseph and mary came from their families are there so the families the the siblings the grandparents the cousins aunts and uncles they're here and the population at this time is maybe 400 in Nazareth. It's not huge. There's one synagogue. Everybody's gathering together. And, and this is a, an, an entirely Jewish community. So they have gathered together at the synagogue and they're listening to the presentation of the scriptures 
and and the reading of the word and that's where where Jesus comes in as he enters into this this time and just to give you an idea that Nazareth is in the northern part of Israel north of Jerusalem and it is to the west of the sea of Galilee but it sits on a hill so it's high on this hill and the, and so you got you've got the cliff and the down below the valley of Jezreel and you've heard about the uh, in the end times if you've read anything or or heard some sermons maybe on on the time when Jesus returns or the time leading up to that that they will talk about Armageddon the mountain of Megiddo is where that name comes from so Armageddo so mountain Har is the word for mountain so that is there at the end of this valley so this valley is below Nazareth so Jesus and his growing up days is looking down on this final battlefield where the end will come and he will return one day and put an end to all of that so that's kind of a you know something in your mind and you know you're in sixth grade and you're looking down and going yeah I'm gonna be back I'll take over but not yet. So we're, he's come back. So he's been out. He's done some ministry. He's come back to the synagogue. And that's where we are in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? They asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. Meaning, do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Luke 4, 14 to 24. So he's, he's there, he's with familiar people in a familiar place doing what he usually does. And he's reading the scriptures and they've enjoyed that in the past, appreciated his participation at the synagogue. He does it this time after he's done some ministry and they've heard the stories. So they know something about what he's been up to and then they've got to wrestle with, but we know this kid. You know, it's like somebody you go to school with and then they, they wind up being the CEO of Amazon or something and you go, what? You're, or president of the United States. You can't be president of the United States. I know you. You're an idiot. So 
all of all of those things are entering in. This is the kid who grew up here. He went to school with us. He played soccer out on the field, and he's here. He is. He's uh, he's claiming something that's pretty big, and he's claiming that this scripture actually applies to him. That this has been fulfilled. That this, something has happened here, and this is this is a moment to deal with, just in a human sense just to put those pieces together and go well you know we know him he's been at all the family reunions probably most of these people are family so this is a tough one the spirit of the lord is upon me he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the lord's favor has come so he's come he's representing uh Yahweh, God the Father, on earth, he is, he is bringing that reality to them in space and time in the physical world. And the things he's talking about, the Spirit is upon him, because we began this in, in verse 14, he returns to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit is also there. God the Father he sent him, Holy Spirit is empowering, and here is the second person of the Trinity live right there in the synagogue. So all of that is coming together in this place. And he says, it, it's fulfilled right here. This is, this is it. This is a prophet writing in 750 B.C. So 700 years before this happens, he's referring to Jesus doing this, being this. What is it that he's saying? The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. We got that in verse 14. But he's repeating that, and he's referring back to Isaiah uh, Isaiah 61.1 is where this is coming from. So he's referring back to that. And he says, it's, he's upon me. And he's anointed me to bring good news. So he's bringing good news. What, and, and I want you to see that he's talking about good news. He's here standing in this place. What good news is it? Because when we talk about good news, if you've been in the church any time at all, when we talk good news, we're talking about... Jesus came, died on a cross, rose on the third day, and now we can have salvation in him. That's the good news. Well, Jesus hasn't died on a cross, hasn't risen on the third day, and he says he's bringing good news. What is he doing? Why is it good news? Why is this different than what's coming? And he says, it's already here. I am announcing the Lord's favor to you, in this day. So this is something that, is, it, that carries a power with it. And it's going to drive them nuts pretty quick. But what has unfolded? The Lord is dealing with some things. So the good news is that he has come. That the kingdom of God is real. That he has entered into this world in space and time. And brought the light into the darkness. All of that is happening with Jesus' presence. Emmanuel, God with us. He has entered into this world. And he is doing some things that is breaking free and, and tearing people away from the darkness and the traps that they are in. If we read this only from a physical level, we will miss it. Because there's more to this. If we only see, well, he's going to let people out of prison... And I want you to show me the scripture where he went to the jails and let people out during his time. 
Because he said he did it, right? He's fulfilled this. This day. But he never let anyone out of jail. In his time on earth. What about the captives? We're not talking about the physical world. That's happening. Do blind people see? Yeah, Jesus has some blind people uh, come to him and he, he gives them sight. Yeah, that's happening. Is that what he's talking about here? Because he said it's fulfilled this day. How many blind people were sitting in the synagogue on that day? He's talking about a spiritual reality that has entered into this world to take on the powers of darkness and to disrupt them. Because the destroyer has come. The liar has come. He's had a hold on people for way too long. And Jesus has come to announce good news. That God has something better. He has truth. He has reality. He has, he has something he wants to offer to people that is so far beyond. He wants to bring the kingdom of God where God's will is being played out. Which is love and goodness and truth. And he wants to bring those things into the, to the lives of people. He reads the scriptures to them and says, this is fulfilled. Wow. For some of those people, it was. For many of them, they still missed it. He's anointed me to bring good news. Yep, who are the poor? The ones who are set aside, who don't have, who have missed out, who haven't enjoyed the richness of God and his, his uh Goodness, the, they, they have been blocked by the, their own selfishness or they're, they're listening to the wrong teachers or they have bought into the way the world works. And in all of that, they've been trapped. He says, here's the good news. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to bring the riches of God to you. I'm going to proclaim captives, uh, freedom to captives. You're going to be released. You're going to be able to see. Though you've been blind, you're going to be able to see. And, and all those who are oppressed will be set free. You, go, you know, that's not us. The time of the Lord's favor has come. You're going to get it. Well, Jesus, I think it's time for refreshments because obviously this doesn't apply to us. So we're going to go to Psalm 82. You don't have to turn, I'll read it to you. Psalm 82, this is a cosmic setting. So we're going to get a picture of what is happening and what is happening in this world that Jesus has come to deal with. Now, he's dealing with the physical. Those are all, those are all part of this as well. But this is, this is the cosmic setting, the spiritual reality. The, we are dealing with the physical world and the heavenly dimension, and we've got the spiritual beings, and all of those things are wrapped up in this. It's the cosmic setting. So Psalm 82, this is the failure of the heavenly beings. In verse 1, God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing. They are so ignorant. They wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. I say, 
You are gods. You are all children of the Most High. But you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. In Psalm 82, we're told about the, the, the court in heaven. And God has these heavenly beings who have gathered together. And he has given them responsibility for the earth in different aspects, different nations of the earth. We've talked about that. It happens in Genesis chapter 11. And he's divided the earth and he's given them these responsibilities to pull people together, help them do what is right, and then to worship the one true God, the Most High. That's what they're supposed to be about. They, as we know, the rebellion happened and they went their own way. And so within the rebellion, instead of guiding the people towards righteousness and towards what's good, they did the opposite. So we have a list of those things. Give justice to the poor and the orphan. They don't do that. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. And I want you to think in terms of uh, people in your own life, family in your life. Look at local governments. Look at nations around the world. How well do they do in taking care of the people who are destitute and the people who are hurting and the people who are disenfranchised? Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. You just see, if you look around, evil people grabbing all they can and oppressing more and more. Now, there's pockets of light here and there, but it doesn't take long to scan through the news and you'll discover that's the reality. So here's this oppression that has come on the world. Part of this is from the dimension of the heavenly beings who have departed and rebelled against the Most High God and done their own thing, trying to gather worship for themselves. And then they haven't done what they were sent to do. These oppressors know nothing. They're so ignorant. They wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. And God says to them in verse 6, You are gods, because he calls them Elohim. They are not the most high Elohim, but they are made as gods, at least from our perspective, and they have those powers. These are high-ranking heavenly beings, and they have been given responsibility to handle these things. And God says, Oh, man, you are all children of the Most High. You were supposed to do this right, and you didn't. You have failed. But you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. He's going to take them out. He's going to take away their, their powers, and, their, and he's going to reduce them. Some of them are already, have already been bound, and they're in Tartarus. Some of them are, uh, these are still around and they're influencing the nations. And you wonder why. Uh, why would rulers decide to do that? Why would they kill their own people? Why would they oppress? And you go, they're still there. They're still influencing. They're still not bringing these people to the light. They're in the darkness and they're dragging other people down. And Jesus shows up and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. To do what? Wow. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. He's going to set this thing right. 
He's going to turn this back around. What the heavenly beings fail to do, Jesus is coming to correct. He will make it happen. And he's going to bring these good things about. The blind will see. The oppressed will be set free. The time of the Lord's favor has come. So he's going to bring that. The prophet is speaking to what Jesus is, is doing. And at this time, this is hundreds of years from the time that he wrote that. God had already told him, I'm sending my son. The Messiah is coming and he's going to turn these things around. And this is what it's going to look like. He's going to do what the others fail to do. My son will do what the others fail to do. That's a spiritual level reality. It's not just reading it from the physical world. This is taking on the heavenly dimension. When Jesus came, he is the God-man. He is both heaven and earth. He has got all of that combined in him. This is not just some loose, well, I feel good moment. This is he is changing things. And when he shows up, people will react. He says, this is fulfilled because it is. He's just read the scripture which he helped inspire in the first place hundreds of years earlier. Now he shows up and fulfills us. Psalm 82 tells us there's a bigger picture and that these heavenly beings in their rebellion have set the world in a pace that has led to the darkness. And we know that in Galilee, in this area, that it was considered a place of darkness, but that there would be a light that would come, and it's Jesus who has come to this place. Here's the response back to Luke chapter 4, verse 24. This is a response to Jesus' claim. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own town, hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath. In the land of Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. But the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. They're so furious. They're jumping up. And they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him off the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Luke four twenty four through 30. Just hearing those things and, and then hearing him say, you know, this isn't the place uh, where the healing takes place. It's, it's not a magic trick. There, God is, is specific in his application of even the healings that are going to take place. So just like there's only one widow that was taken care of that we've got the during this whole time, and in Zarephath, and and then we've we've only got name in the Syrian healed of leprosy. So we've God is specific in the things that He's doing. He's doing it for His purposes to accomplish His glory, and what Jesus does is going to be the same way because He is bringing this good news. He's He's not dealing just with the physical and the problems we have here. He is defeating the cosmic powers that are around us. And he is defeating uh, the darkness by bringing in the light. To them, that was all a put down. He's claiming too much. He's just the kid who grew up here. Now he's claiming that he is the one that 
the prophet Isaiah spoke of. And now he's correcting their thinking on, well, we're blessed and we should be the ones because we're Jewish. And now you're saying other nations that something regarding all of them. And Jesus, I'm here for everybody. I'm here to get all the nations back. I am bringing good news. That's why I'm here. (sighs) They just want to push him off the hill. They just don't want him. You ever been there? You say, you know, I heard some things about Jesus and there's some things he spoke about me or to me and I'm not having it. I would prefer to push Jesus off the cliff. I don't want him in my life. I want him as far away as possible. That's that's kind of tough. Remember, these are cousins, aunts and uncles. People that knew him. They grew up with him, went to school with him. And they want to push him right off the cliff. And Jesus is saying, but this is the time of the Lord's favor. He's bringing something great. He's entering into this world in a whole new way. And the prophets have already witnessed his majesty and they are speaking about it. They are pointing to him. We also have it from his birth location. So Jesus' birth location is prophesied. This is from Matthew chapter 2, first part, verses 1 through 6. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests, teachers of religious law, and asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So here's this little town, Bethlehem. This is far before Jesus is born. Micah is the prophet. Micah 5.2 is where that's found. He says, you, Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. And yet a ruler of Israel will come from you. One whose origins are from the distant past. Whose origins are from the distant past. Once again, the prophet has been given the heads up that when God sends his son, it's one who has been in existence for all eternity. And he's coming and he's entering into this world in a physical way in Bethlehem at this time. Bethlehem is just outside of five miles outside of Jerusalem, not that far. In the hills, they raise the the sheep that they use for sacrificial purposes are are there. And that's why the shepherds in the fields at night are are, uh, lots of them available because that's what they do. And that's the business that's happening in Bethlehem at that time. And the prophet Micah is pointing to that time and saying, this is what's happening. This is what's unfolding. This is what uh, God has said. He's going to use this Bethlehem, not Jerusalem, not some big city, not Rome, not Alexandria and Egypt, not, not anything that would draw attention but Bethlehem. 
tiny little burg on the outside of Jerusalem. And that's where God becomes man, born of a virgin. And that place, at that time, who is now going to bring good news. He's, he's bringing freedom. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to let the blind see. He's going to say this is the time of the Lord's favor. The kingdom of God is here. He's going to bring it into our world. He's going to overcome the powers of darkness. And he's going to allow all those who will come, all those who will come to see and to enjoy the relationship with him that's made possible through this. He changes it all. But his origins are from the distant past. But he will be born. He will come to Bethlehem. And a ruler of Israel will come from that place. He's the king. He is the new king. So there was a tendency to want to stop the glow. So we have stopped this this tendency of the rebellious uh, heavenly beings spiritual beings who want to stop this but we we have them influencing physical leaders as well and physical leaders who don't want jesus to rule or have any authority so we have herod he's the king of judah with rome's approval he is a politician's politician he knows how to work the system to get what he wants and he has done it with rome and he has made made it possible for himself to become king so he's king of Israel. He's got this little world that he has made. And he is powerful and he's built and he's worked on the temple. He's, he's built palaces for himself. Uh, you can still visit Masada, the remains that are on top of the hill by the Dead Sea. That was one of his. He, he was just an amazing builder. Uh, not so nice to the people. But he's politically savvy and spiritually dull. He doesn't get it. Now, he, he's respectful of the, the practices. He understands the people. He's an Edomite. He, he, is, uh, he understands the Jewish way of things. But that doesn't mean he embraces it or that he has come to a knowledge of the truth. So he's politically savvy and spiritually dull. He is paranoid with power. And he will get rid of anybody he suspects. And he suspects everybody. So this is a, sort of a, a difficult guy to be around. So deadly force was used to stop Jesus before his light shined. We find it in Matthew 2, chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. The babies are killed. Herod finds out where Jesus is born in Bethlehem, so he sends troops to kill the babies in that area, to get rid of, hopefully, this ruler who will come out of Bethlehem. He just doesn't want anybody rivaling his power or having any, any kind of power that he doesn't control. So he's going to get rid of... The, how, huh. Did God know something like that might happen? Yeah, it was prophesied in Jeremiah. Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen. So Jeremiah's writing during the time that the Babylonians are attacking uh, Israel and Jerusalem and then taking the, the people captive. So that's 586 B.C. 
Jeremiah is saying, this is going to happen in Bethlehem, and these babies are going to be killed. God knew. He's aware of the things that are about to happen. He knows he's bringing into this world the most important force and factor and person this world has ever seen. It needs to be changed. The darkness has overwhelmed. The heavenly beings who don't act too heavenly, these are the rebellious ones, have drugged this world down and Jesus is coming to bring the light, to turn the, turn the tide on these things, to give an opportunity for people to come to know the real king, to understand God's kingdom, to enter into real life, abundant life, which he talks about in John 10, and to turn all of those things around. And he's given that witness, the witness to Jesus' majesty through the prophets, hundreds of years before he shows up. And Jesus identifies them, and, and the gospel writers identify these prophets as being right on target. So they reference these Hebrew scriptures and saying, this, this is what it was talking about. It's talking about Jesus and his coming. And this is how it works with the prophets, the witness of the prophets. Amos, another prophet, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7, says, indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. So he's going to reveal what he's going to do, and he gives a heads up before it happens. So he's going to let us know and those in this world know by putting things uh, out there through his prophets. He's going to communicate uh, his direction and where he's headed with things and he's done that we have that when we read the hebrew scriptures and when they handed the scroll to jesus in the synagogue he unrolls it he goes to that verse reads that because he knew and he knew isaiah and he knew what isaiah had said and he said this is fulfilled here i am that fulfillment this is the time of the lord's favor and the servants The prophets have communicated God's truth and they have brought light. And there's more to come because there's more the prophets have said and there's more that's being unfolded even in our time. And we get to witness it as well. But they witnessed his majesty and they wrote about him early on. The first advent, Jesus came to set his people free. He was from outside time and the physical dimension. The enemy, problems, and battles from the cosmic realm were real in the physical realm, and Jesus came to confront them all. He is the great I Am. Worship His majesty. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done, for laying the groundwork, for changing things, from from dealing with the darkness and those powers that are around us that are... Uh, they are just so great. They, they're just bigger than we are, and we can't handle them, but you sent your Son. And you gave him all authority in heaven and on earth. And Lord, that changes things. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for the witness of the prophets who have spoken through all these years that we might know that the light has come. And thank you for your favor.
Thank you for being present with us. Thank you for being, Lord Jesus, being our Emmanuel. And we give you all the glory, Lord. There is no one else. In Jesus' name, amen.